and welcome to yet another episode of the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Oh, oh well, that's a nice one. Ah. Yeah, I like that. Oh. All right. And welcome, and it's Friday, so we are here once again to ramble on. Uh, much about nothing. I don't know. Uh, we it, have some... It thing. is the Friday rant. It is, and it is a good Friday. Not the good Friday, but it's a good Friday. It's been pretty nice up here. It's an okay Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, it's a terrible Friday. Terrible Friday. Oh, terrible Friday. Oh, what happened? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just doing the old men from the uh, Muppet Show. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, they talked their way down. It was terrible. I hated it. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Sattler and Waldorf, yes. <laughs> yes. The peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah, man, that's... That's what we are, the peanut gallery of role-playing game podcasts. Oh, nice, nice. I was going to go with the well-done prime rib. Oh. <laughs> There's a tragedy right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just did had so much potential, and then we ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> with a side of ketchup. Oh. Ah. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> you like fries with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, it's been, oh, who am I kidding? It's been a hell of a year. Damn, it's, it's been a doggone shame of a collie-molesting, dirty, sock-sucking, lint-licking piece of crap year. Boy, and, you know, I'm not really going to throw in too much on it, but, yeah, well, here I, we are. I think you hit the high notes there, yeah. I mean, 2020 is... Uh, Oh, wow. I mean, it's been, like, just no sooner than one barrel unloads in your face than you hear the click from the next. Yeah. <laughs> the light of the end of the tunnel is literally the train coming at you and running you over again and again. <laughs> uh, I thought I was, you know, like, we've taken so many muzzle flashes, I thought I was at a rave. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's just... Well. Everything we love has been, you know, reduced down to chance meetings and carefully uh, virtual or, gatherings. Yeah, carefully husband and uh, situated gatherings. Man, it's just everything is so carefully calculated these days. Uh, so much extra caution and effort yeah. goes into even the most routine stuff. I, man, if I never smell. Uh, hand sanitizer again as long as I live. You know, when this is over, I am I'm gonna light my barbecue with hand sanitizer just yeah. to hate, just to burn off the last of it. Uh, no, I I'm sure I'll find a use for the stuff someday again. Uh, but only after my nose stops working and I don't recognize the stink of it. Is I, wow. You know, if you got people you care about that uh, yeah. are vulnerable then you take these extra precautions and it is it's like every day now includes like you know 120 extra steps because you know it's not like you had other things to do or worry about today yep you really needed like this whole list of extra stuff no it it is frustrating but you know it's nice to just vent with a friend about that and say it out loud for once I... yeah i'm not upset about the precautions we have to take i mean yeah as tiresome as it is it's for a good cause and all that and i'm staying safe and oh i'm not saying i won't do it right because yeah, I, I obviously will there's some people that like i care about very much so what can i say i mean the amount 
that I care about them is far greater than the amount that I am tired of being inconvenienced. I would do worse than this if, like, I'm a gamer, I would do the walk of a thousand foresighters if it would just preserve one person I care about. So, exactly. Uh. <laughs> Precisely. Yes, indeed. And, well, as bitter as we sound about it, you know, we're still here. Technically, I'm in the risk category group, I'm 52. I'm only a year behind you. Yeah. So we're kind of in that risk category, but here we are. I personally think that, uh, you know, I might get through this just fine because, I mean, let's face it, uh, after all the things I've done to myself, my blood is like the stuff in the movie Alien, you know. Like, it's burning through the bulkhead! No! Uh, you know, wow. <laughs> if, if COVID does find a way to kill me, I mean, it deserves a freaking trophy because it'll be the first thing ever. I, I am the... I am Keith Richards like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you're all staying safe out there. Yeah. So we're we don't have any call ins tonight, so we're just gonna no, jump gonna, right into we're it. We're gonna launch. Yeah, we're gonna launch and uh, we're gonna launch in hard. So get ready, here we go. And our topic for tonight is plot points, plot resolution, and just having a plot in a game. Yeah, and this is a fun thing for a Friday rant, because it is game-related. We have touched on similar things in the past, in the course of other conversations, uh, but specifically touching on plots themselves. You know, what are the elements that make up a, at least a minimal plot, for instance? Right. Like, uh, let's start with minimalism. Right. A minimal plot would be something where you have a specific, uh, well, to use modern parlance, like a quest. You know, you guy with an exclamation point over his head and or a question mark. And you go up to him and, hey, what's going on here? And, you know, you wander through the village and pretty soon you've got 12 plots to resolve. Okay, that's not minimal. But what is a minimal plot is pretty much, you know, you're given a precise task, a goal, if you will. Some or coordinates. Quest, right, a to place to down. go. Go here and do this, and then return to us when it is complete. That's pretty minimal, and I think that is the basis of many role-playing games right there. It could yeah. be a place of mystery that has been a, a source of rumors, evil plots, and, oh, you know, just all sorts of uh, nastiness. Yep. Schemes into wickedness, skullduggery. Even, you know, a goblin's lair can have the trappings of mystery and malign intent behind it. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone is, like, acting as a manipulator, uh, you know, you have a second actor that you're not aware of, uh, the plot unfolds as you deal with the initial threat, and you determine that there is a greater threat behind this. You know, that's building from a small plot to a slightly more complicated one. Yeah, and a complicated plot could be an example of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay's The Enemy Within campaign, where it's varied. It takes a long time to uncover all the hooks, and there's many side... Oh, yeah. They're not given away in the, the classic Warhammer uh, fantasy setting modules. Uh, they do not give away all of the details, and even in a single module. It takes many sessions of gameplay to piece together the larger tapestry. So that's a perfect example of a highly advanced plot. Yep, and we'll be covering some of those modules and uh, adventures and adventure paths in the weeks to come. Uh, The reason why I'm kind of ranting about the 
missed opportunities this summer is I was looking back through my notes and I kind of had a plan to do kind of a summer camp where we would just discuss how to start a campaign and work on it piece by piece each session where we uncover a new plot and plot points and kind of develop how to include player character goals and backstories into that. But, of course, you know, it uh, as with a lot of things yeah. currently, it, that was completely trash. So here we are, but you know I what? I had a lot of plans for lots of live music events and uh, small theater events and things like that because I, I got a lot of friends doing a lot of, that were doing a lot of amazing things, both musically and theatrically. And I really wanted, like, I my original plan circa January was... 2020 is going to be awesome. There's going to be so much stuff that I'm going to take time out to go and do and go and see. Big plans. None of that manifested. That, uh, wow, quite the opposite. All of that got shot right to hell. Yeah, and it seems like August is just racing right through my hands. I'm trying to keep things uh, on an even yeah, keel. Yeah, like more than halfway through the year, and it just seems like anything, you know, like, oh, you like that? Pull! <laughs> gone <laughs> so yeah we i wanted to cover this in depth but uh, i guess now is as good a time as any to uh, pull the trigger on it um no pun pull! Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. but yeah so you know plots and of course we're gonna start with the minimal so as mike uh, alluded to earlier what is a minimal plot well let's go right back to the basics why don't you open up the hymnal to on the B2, keep on the Borderlands. Why a lot of people say, well, this is the epitome of old school gaming because there's no real plot. And you're right. Okay. You know, basically you create some characters, presumably, uh, oh, that yeah. are coming to the keep for various reasons. And they arrive at the keep. You know, the, the quintessential uh, illustration on the back shows a band of adventurers, one of them on horse, approaching the keep at sunset or sunrise. And here you are, you know, thrust into the maw of an adventure. So pretty much it's just that there's evil rumors about those unruly caves of chaos. Huh. Well, you know, it, it's fair to say that this is a plotless scenario. And it can be. Okay, I'm not saying it cannot be. It, it can be a plotless game where you just, like... I heard there's a hole in the ground, and there's some nasties in there, and we're going to go punch them in the snout. Totally awesome. Yep. Uh, still 100% there for that. Uh, however, having read the actual module and DM'd it, uh, most of us who have done the DM racket before, we do know that there is a minimalist plot in the Caves of Chaos uh, in that module. Uh, there are evil clerics that have kind of bound together the various tribes to like keep the infighting down to a bare minimum and to maintain them as a potential force for eventual use, while within the keep, some of their own number, these evil clerics, have managed to insinuate themselves into positions there uh, and even, in potentiality, can betray the party uh, by sending along some people to help who just happen to turn on you at an opportune moment if you get too far into right. the caves. Uh, so there is a proto-plot there that is actually pretty obvious, and it's very simple, it's very easy, it's designed to be something that 
like even a novice DM can manage. But that does constitute a plot. Yeah, and a lot of people say, well, I like my plots to grow organically, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not oh, trying to dismiss that at all. so fun. Yeah, you know, if you have your own kind of thing, like... That's how yeah. I do sandbox. Uh, I let the decisions the, that the players make uh, and their interactions with the NPCs, uh, I keep notes, and then I build that into the situations that they will face later. You know, who they tick off today is they may have trouble dealing with tomorrow right and we'll deal with some of the pitfalls of having your plots and contrivances uprooted by players or ignored and then later want to be explored i'll talk about that at some length uh, a bit in this uh, podcast but also we're going to leave some of that for a later episode to cover back about some of the pitfalls that you can run into um but yeah let's move to mid-grade yeah so um mid-grade well i mean we can why don't we just uh, focus on the keep? Oh, all right. Yeah, why don't we focus on that and talk about how to develop that. Now, let's assume that uh, you have a party of adventurers already uh, created and uh, assembled. Your players are ready, and so you you know whip out the keep on the borderlands. This is what we're doing, and everybody's like, ooh, ah, yeah, okay. And so you go in, and how would you feed them information? And this is important. Of course, most of the games start with, okay, you go to a tavern or you see a handbill posted on the gate or something like that, or a rumor from a guard is given. And here you are, right there, right at that page, first page, they give you a number of rumors that you can hear while staying at the keep. So each player rolls a die, and the DM gives a few bits of rumors out, as the players uh, and, introduce themselves. And expertly, of course, uh, some of the rumors are not factual. Right. You know, which Yes, there's I, a number I of miss fake ones like the Bree Arc. Yeah. <laughs> Bree Arc in Goblin means surrender, which it doesn't. It means something like, hey, hey Rube. Rube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, guaranteed fun for players who feel that they're suddenly knowledgeable in the ways of Goblin kind. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to end well. So you take whatever rumors that the players are equipped with and let turn them loose and let them go into the town. There's places to explore and equip themselves. Of course, the NPCs are named, you know, the chief of the keep is named mysteriously the Castleton. Oh, yeah, the, the Castellan. Uh, the, the guy who is effectively the... Uh, Lord Steward, or yeah, yeah the, the Keeper of the Keep. Uh, Steward, I like that. Not necessarily the actual uh, Lord of the region, but they are the, the person in command of that little outpost. Yep, and there's money changer in all the places like that, so players can wisely invest some of their purloined profits into sizable investments later on but nonetheless uh the keep itself is kind of a microcosm of a civilization presumably at the edge of the frontier again where law it starts to lose its grasp on society and things are very lawless in that area of course giving the allusion to the caves of chaos where a bunch of festering monsters have made their lairs and now a strike out and have been gaining much more acclaim and notoriety and ferocity in their raids. And, of course, it's alluded to that the Castleton is concerned because it seems like the raids are being very well organized. 
and there's many suspicions in the community that there are spies among them. Yeah, that does come up, uh, theoretically. I mean, if the players make right. the correct inquiries and make use of the rumors that are available to them, should they happen to get a rumor that leads them in the right direction and they ask the right questions, they'll learn that there is a suspicion that someone may be working with these raiding monsters. Yeah, and at some uh, because point... Because their, their knowledge of uh, when and who and what is moving around the area seems to be uncannily accurate. And there's also a small wilderness map so players can go exploring and, you know, potentially uh, run afoul of the old hermit. Oh, jeez. That guy. Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> the crazed hermit. Yeah, a uh, lot of, lot of first-level characters uh, said goodbye to <laughs> that hermit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Buying farm property cheap. Yep. Rural agrarian real estate for sale. Cheap. You bought the farm. And there you are. You know, there's a minimalist plot that can develop quite well because also as the characters gain fame and notoriety in raiding the Caves of Chaos and returning with their spoils, there's also a merchant who has been captured, I believe, by the Hobgoblins. Yeah, there are people that they can... Uh, make contact with inside the Caves of Chaos who are sympathetic and ultimately make good contacts. To yeah, have. the merchant was being held, I believe, and his wife by the Hobgoblins for ransom at the behest of others. And they even have information that you know men in hoods and robes would come and question them with the Hobgoblins, of course, giving torture. Yeah, this is never good. Huh. Hoods and robes. Spellcasters. Yep. And, of course, there is a hidden temple. I've always made it a temple of Orcus. That's just because Orcus is a jerk. All right, and, fair enough. You know, he makes a good chaotic evil uh, presence. His cultists and followers are many. Yeah, I mean, if you just want uh, a priesthood of an evil D-bag, that is one of the best evil D-bags to, you know, hand the job to. Yep, the big O is around, and he's never let his presence go remiss for very long. He likes to remind people of who he is. He's not, he doesn't have that wand for nothing. Yeah. So, I've always made him that, and of course, the the resolution of the plot is eventually to find out that where the evil temple is, find it and bring it low. And of course, once you're given that investiture by the uh, Castellan, the Lord Steward, I like that one. It's a nice touch. Oh, thank you. You can, uh, you can get some reinforcements from various people inside the keep, including a few magic items that they'll lend you and aid, as well as any of the items you've gained from fighting the other monsters. And, of course, we would be remiss if we forgot about that Minotaur cave. Wow. Uh, That's a nasty one in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of little side things to do, and it's a very diverse and challenging environment because the, there's two orc tribes that... Uh, conveniently are sort of at odds with one another. There's much catcalling and hooting going on. Yeah, the pieces only barely kept between them. Yeah, with the chieftains occasionally meeting in a secret chamber that you can find where they iron out their differences and come to an accord. And a clever group of player characters can mess with that. Yes. Uh, so that can yep, you unfold can even... very differently than you know people might expect. 
yeah, and a lot of people look at it as just pure monster bash, but there's some thinking going on there, especially the uh, Orc Chief. One of them will uh, be more than willing to work with the player characters to eliminate his competition. Yeah. Ah, there are all kinds of ways it can go in the Caves of Chaos. It doesn't have to be a straight-on slaughter fest. It can be, and I also happen to approve of that. <laughs> but, you know, there are options there for cunning player characters. Yeah, there's a lot more than just simple, straightforward combat. You can negotiate with some of the monsters, and also the morale rules, if properly used, will... You know, if they're taking too many casualties, they'll run. If their leader's presence, they will fight harder. Uh, there's a number of encounters that can go sideways really fast and the players just bumble right in, expecting the monsters to fold before them. Oh, yeah, like winding up in a fight with, uh, I believe it was the goblins that paid off the ogre. Yep, uh, that's right off the first there. The kobolds also have a, uh, a very uh, cunningly defended lair with traps and you know, a clever DM with just a little bit of imagination can throw things like flaming oil and even bags of live scorpions <laughs> poured on the characters. Yeah, dirty tricks galore, uh, especially, you know, picking ones that aren't especially fatal uh, for low-level characters, but are super annoying and will just whet their appetite to kick butt. Right, and it, if you're wanting to, say, give it a more novel appeal... You can put some of the player characters as having relatives in the keep or have members of their families uh, have some type of connection to other people around the area that put them in odds. For instance, in one session I ran, I had a druid who, uh, this was uh, converting it to advanced dungeon dragons, of course, but uh, who made uh, friends with the uh, lizard folk hmm. yeah, as part of... I don't trust druids. Yeah, tell them to shove off. His beard bees are stinging the paying customers. <laughs> well, Druid hate aside, there's a lot of uh, ways to integrate secondary plots and goals as part of the Druidic order, you know, wanting to make sure that the lizard folk... I thought they just played on drums and followed the Grateful Undead on tour all, you know. I, oh, well, sure, they probably did that. But, okay, uh, ah, well, all right, enough, enough Druid bashing. I, I bashed Druids enough for today. But I made that part of a plot is that the druids were interested in keeping the lizard men active and preserved so that they could form a sort of hedge against other monsters or more vicious ones settling in the area. Because lizard men can be somewhat negotiated with and are powerful opponents. They are not easily overcome, having two hit dice and all that. Well, yeah, not by a cluster of first, second level characters. Uh, sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. Right, and just making contact with them rather than annihilating them is another good set, especially if they're very suspicious. And, of course, the people in the keep might also view them as just monsters to be slain or driven out rather than left alone. Yeah, so brokering any kind of formal treaty you know, could be a different kind of challenge for players. Right, uh, and that's how you so can introduce a little bit a more. A lot of different threads of plot uh, that creep into this module, and it, it all depends on which direction the players go. Uh, and, and it tells you something about a DM's mindset. Uh, you know, if you're open to different ways to resolve a scenario, then all kinds of things become possible. Uh, whereas, 
I mean, if you're really not going to take no for an answer uh, and insist that the players be like, there's no way out of this but slaughter, you know. Uh, I don't like to run herd that tight on players. I, right. Let I, them... I like to let them have their own rope and then, you know, hang themselves with it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after you shove them off to it's, the side. It's of called them. letting the marlin out yeah. before you just reel them back in, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so now we talk about plot resolution. Okay, so the players have now uh, gained enough trust by the leaders of the keep to be taken into their confidence, and the whole thing can be explained. And then, of course, now the campaign shifts from just exploring the various little hidey holes and layers of monsters to actually going full force against the organizers of this, the true masters of the Capes of Chaos, which are the priests. And, of course, that's an epic battle in and of itself. Not that the Hobgoblin Chieftain, oh boy, no five, hit the, yeah, five hit dice, and he takes no for an answer. Yeah. Yeah, that one is not... Uh... Not the easiest negotiation players will ever experience. Um, that That is a very confident monster boss. Yes. But besides the Minotaur, maybe the Owlbear, and of course the caves full of uh, ochre jellies, which, you know, there's a chalice in there that I've always given as a reliquary of to the Keeps Chapel. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten the chalice. Yeah, so if you find that, that's another little plot point. And, of course, this comes to the term that's was used... Was the vessel with the pestle that uh, holds the brood that is true? or was I think it was the, the flagon with the, dra- the, oh. with the dragon. Okay, and, uh, and the other one had the pellet with the poison. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Danny Kay. Oh, you're the best. Rest in peace, Danny. Yeah, that was a great... <laughs> um, but deep cuts, <laughs> deep cuts. Yeah. Not everybody will get it, but the right people will. That's what we're after here. So true enough that uh, after this, you've turned in enough uh, plot coupons now to fully unlock the last advent uh, part of the adventure, and then you know uh, the true part and the true uh, scope of the game comes true, and purportedly. Uh, the players will venture into the evil temple and fight the evil high priest. And, yeah, there's a lot of things going on with that, too. Um, again, it all goes down to various groups and styles of play. And, of course, it can be various, but that is a residing theme throughout the game that's written in there. So this is a minimal plot that's explored, and it doesn't take too much to keep ahead of it. And this is where some plots get convoluted is that the amount and assortment of side quests and variable adventure sites start to open themselves up and sometimes the campaign can lose focus and sometimes that's all right if you're doing a sandbox hey just let it go yeah i i mean i guess to to segue between since we're at the segue point between no wait segue man Uh oh look out all right segue man arrives we're, we're moving into those somewhat more complicated views of what to do with your game time. You know, we get to more plot-intensive play. And I used to do both meta and micro. You know, like mm-hmm. macro and micro plots at the same time. With the micro plots uh, usually being things related to what the players did. And then as I was designing an adventure for this 
scenario that the players have embroiled themselves in, I would then write in ways in which my meta plot creeps into the narrative. Uh, like the opposition they face uh, has some connection to the hidden entities that are working against the player characters long term. So maybe they get handed a fresh clue at the end of the adventure, you know, having dispatched the, the big bad. Uh, when, they've, when they've gotten rid of the black hats, uh, they find some paperwork or notes or personal possessions that indicate a clear link to the meta plot. Uh, so you can run both concurrently even while letting the players like hair off after you're know, like well you know we we found a treasure map in this place and we want to go after it because you know we had a random roll and mm -hmm. it came up treasure map and the treasure map says we're going way off course from our original intention well hey how do they know that there you know isn't a spy somewhere around that knows something of that map or that other parties may have been interested in it or had possession of it before the party. Right. You could even have something like a Thieves' Guild uh, enter in to the keep itself, have a few envoys there, you know, just kind of pickpocketing or doing some spying. So, and uh, they little, could enter in. little rogue mafia moving in on the territory, and, you know, maybe uh, yeah, we got to work out a little arrangement between us. And you could introduce intrigue, and you could also expand to where this place is in your campaign world. It really begs to be fleshed out, and even if you decide not to, later on you can come back to the keep and find it uh, changed, it's more viable, or the caves could be repopulated by a new group of monsters that are even more vicious. Uh, also, yes, yeah, a different ecology, uh, because... Very little prime real estate exists in a total vacuum. Right. And, <laughs> you know, constant vigilance must be kept to keep some of these monsters at bay. So that's another big thing that uh, can be used on this if you want to uh, invest later on. If players really like working here, they can, might even find themselves eventually being the masters of the keep itself. That's happened in a campaign or two of mine. But yeah, since I'm using... Yeah, you a noble promotion. You know, they, they move up the ladder. Ah you know, get assigned to a different post, and the uh, grateful lord of the area hands off management of the keep to the player characters, uh, or to one specific player character in particular, with the others as their retinue. Yeah, and helpers and advisors. Ooh, I got to use the word retinue. Yeah, yeah. Man, you can tell, like, we have not done enough gaming in 2020, because yeah. I miss the word retinue. But with this, uh, presumably at some point, uh, the players might come in possession of a treasure map leading to an island of dread. <laughs> now, this was a favorite uh, of Randy's to seed the end of the adventure with, with the connection to uh, X2. Yeah, and it's a great segue, but, you know, if you wanted to, you could even expand, and we'll be covering this uh, very soon here, is B1, Search of the Unknown, which links up pretty nicely with the Keep on the Borderlands, I think, and we'll be exploring that. But as we're talking about plot resolutions, and people use terms like plot coupons or staying ahead of the plot or getting lost in the details, here's where we're going to break it down a little bit. Is Number that, one, chart it. Right. Okay, you're the DM, and I know it sucks. I know it sucks. I empathize. I feel your pain. Uh, and it but, feels great. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, the point being is, 
it is one of those things that is just necessary. It's it's yep. It's uh, it's dental surgery necessary. Okay, somebody's going to have to come at you with the drill. It, it's going to happen. There's no way out of this, and it's for the greater good. Take those notes. Chart out that plot. Keep notes on those micro plots and those little threads that haven't been pulled yet. Right, and it could be an NPC, it could be a, a collection of notes or journals, but however you choose to introduce it and keep it going, make sure you know where it is. And if the players miss it, well, it's up to you to reintroduce it. And yeah, I mean, if you choose to batter them across the head with it uh, and make sure they recognize it, so be it. I mean, if it, if it drives the meta plot, uh, but if it's a micro plot, my traditional habit has been, okay, they missed that one. Right. That's but if you feel uh, necessary, it's up to you and completely within your rights to reintroduce it in another cache of notes or papers or another NPC found who has information. Oh, yeah. I personally liked creating a mini-boss uh, that would kind of be the emissary of uh, mayhem, havoc, uh, you know, actions against the party. Uh, competition for resources like, you know, oh my gosh, we got scooped on that treasure room by, you know, yeah, D-Bag X once again. Oh my gosh, we hate that guy. We cannot wait to stomp him. Now, if you hose the player characters successfully with said mini-boss a couple of times, all right, uh, you know, time to put on the Nehru jacket and... Oh, okay. And, at the white cat, you know, as I reveal the DM secret. The point of those taunts, the point of inflicting suffering on the player characters was not just for the self-gratification of like, I made them suffer, ha ha ha. No. The point was that they will now respond to an opportunity to strike back against that which has hurt them, which makes this a perfect lure to move them in the direction of the metaplot at the time of your choosing. You introduce an opportunity to avenge themselves on that mini-boss, and boom, they're like, oh, we're doing this. I hate that guy. Yeah, and a case in point of what I was talking about earlier, if you, if the players seem to be missing certain elements of the caves, like, for instance, the missing merchant. You know, an NPC inside the keep can be sent to a follower of this merchant and his Mercer's Guild can be sent to try to track him down and where his last whereabouts were ascertained and so the players can make their way to try to track them down, find the clues, and get into the Hobgoblin Caves. That's a good way of making the secondary one. Oh, yeah, especially if, like, said representative puts a bounty out. Yeah, exactly. Says, like, we want him back. You know, this is an important personage uh, and we desire his safe return. We've been contacted for ransom and we believe him to be somewhere in this area. That can be a very uh, powerful lure as well, because, hey, who doesn't want some minor magic items, free magic items, and even a cache of potions healing and healing scrolls can oh, yeah, go a long levels. way. That's like a treasure trove, okay? I mean, getting a couple of awesome scrolls and a, a little package filled with healing potions, like, whoa, we just hit the big time. Or if you need them to go to the uh, Minotaur's Cave, you can have... The remains 
of a wizard set there, and his apprentice is now looking for his master, who was last seen going to the caves because of its unusual illusion qualities for the reagents to a spell that he was researching. So This is why I have no characters that have traveled in like 25 years without a piece of chalk written on their inventory yep. list. Those little crystal caves that are so beguiling and filled with a minor illusion spell to make it hard to determine which direction is which, you know, that would be a perfect magnet for a magic user and a good place to put a spell book, which I did. Oh, indeed. And, I, you it's know, not the, like you didn't, you didn't skimp on the treasure for going into the terrible places, uh, which, by risk, way of reference, my, my kudos to you, because that is the finest in DM tradition, which is the best riches go for the best challenges. Risk versus reward. So the second thing is now you've charted out your plots, meta plots, and side quests. And you have the ability to change up when that happens. The second part is understanding the motives of your player characters. And this one eludes a lot of DMs because it's easy to get lost in the weeds as you move on through a campaign. Especially a protracted series of adventures early on. Players that is why the keeping of notes is so essential. Because being able to, you know, turn back. And when I say notes, I mean the names of every NPC and the knowledge and relevant connection of each NPC. You know, why are they relevant? Uh, what is it that they know that could be useful? Who are they connected with that might be important later? Flesh those details out. Some of it may come to naught as player characters right. make decisions, but it will serve you well later when you flip back to, okay, now, did they miss something? How can I resuscitate this? How can I move us back in this direction? Those notes will be critical. Indeed, and also keeping in mind that listen to your player characters, what they really like. If they really like exploring and... Tell me find, what you want, what you really, really want. Finding what they have in mind for their characters as well as goals that they have set for themselves and including their parts of their background. Now, to be fair, in the early days we weren't so concerned with it, but even my first character, a dwarf, yeah, he was a dwarf, uh, going through the Caves of Chaos, he's looking for his brother. Now, of course, it wasn't a real big thing. I didn't expect it to be resolved, but it was. And his head was in the uh, Orc Lair, so, you know. <laughs> well, there that plot point was resolved. So <clears throat> when plot points are resolved, there should be some type of resolution. Now, I was just told, well, you found out where your brother is. His head's on the wall. Well, that's nice. Glad I killed those Orcs. Um, but... When you're finally done with the major parts of the campaign, also take note of things that you've missed, that the player characters have missed. And if it's relevant, you can reseed them for another time. We talked about an allusion to a Thieves' Guild getting into the uh, uh, keep on the Borderlands by itself, and that found its way into the Veiled Society module later on as another way uh, they didn't want to follow the map. But nobody took up on that, so that was a different uh, tack that I had to take. Oh, when you were sandboxing. Yeah. I, you know, if they didn't want to do it, they didn't want to do it, that's fine. You know, who are these thieves that tried to steal from the player character and break into the money changer, which was well guarded? Oh, yeah, no kidding. Huh. Seeing that make a disaster of certain enterprising new thieves uh, as player characters... Uh, <laughs> got, yeah, it was just a they little. Had their eye on it. Like, While they were staying at the keep, there was a break in and a murder, and then it was a small investigation. It was a little bit of an off night anyway. We didn't have all the player characters there, so it made for a good little murder mystery sort of thing. But uh, 
you know, they found out that there, of course, was a thieves' guild behind it, and you know, they're well known for their insidious ways and inscrutable means of use, seeming to use minuscule and irrelevant knowledge to their advantage. As well they should. There's money on the line. Sweet, sweet money. Yeah, and, of course, Dave's favorite name for the module, Veiled Society, the Purple Assholes. Ah, yes. Ah, and his name for the hermit, the Creep on the Borderlands. <laughs> creep on the Borderlands. Yes, Dave Bowen, you live on. Yes. Creep on the Borderlands. Yeah, we're looking right at you, Dave. That is a great name. <laughs> the Creep on the Borderlands, the old hermit. The stack of bodies in his backyard. Yeah, I always did a John Wayne Gacy on that, that even under the floorboards. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Uh, hey, Sonny, you looking for work as a pool boy? <laughs> you don't even have a pool. Do you I'm mind, on a pod boy. Do you, do, you mind, do you mind raking my yard for me? <laughs> do you like a nice cool drink? How about a lemonade? You know, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, okay, it wasn't like that. Have you was... seen my clown costume? Oh, jeez. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We weren't going that route. I was just talking about the amount of bodies stashed around the area. It was rather shocking. Oh, yeah. You you can't huck a rock without getting a grave near the old hermit. <laughs> Many an early adventurer met their doom and hit the end of his blade. All right. So, oh, man. But, yeah, so... You know, you can even explore that and extrapolate upon it. Like, why was he there? You know, well, he's just a crazy old coot. Well, okay, but... Uh, I, I want to give him a dog and just base him on Son of Sam. Oh, jeez. So. <laughs> or a goat. Yes, yes, a chain-smoking goat. Yeah, a goat. <sighs> Only talks to him. Only he can hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also Son of Sam, yeah. All right, so... But the third part that we want to hit is, so you hit the second ones. Uh, the part is keeping your players' goals in mind and incorporating them when you can and looking for what they're interested in So and being willing to change. That's a big one for DMs right there. So you have a meta plot. You don't have to change it, but you can change the methods at which you can introduce it. That's your purview. That's also part of your responsibility. Yeah, uh, example. I'm, I'm just going super random with it. Uh, you've got a meta plot you've come up with that is different than the material that you're using to start with. Right. Like, it, it over-arcs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's an evil dragon that has taken over a kingdom, and it's like a, an ancient red, and it's sitting on top of a, a mountain on a horde of tribute from all of the people that it has been uh, extorting money out of, and you want the players to ultimately go and to that nation and then stomp that dragon. There's a fair chance that early on, they may be hesitant to go after that until they are absolutely sure they are ready. So it might, you know, behoove the DM to put a little wiggle room, okay? Uh, That's where you introduce mini-bosses, like I spoke of. Yeah. It gives the players something to tangle with that is related to the meta plot. Yeah, uh, that... That uh... irritates them, that, like, it's just like the, the sand going into the oyster to become that pearl of resentment that you will later use to get them to follow through. But it lets you keep them connected to the meta plot and buys you time while they run around and do some of the things that they really enjoy. And then when you're looking for that big campaign ending moment, hopefully by that time they've had their fill, they've, they've 
had their lucky breaks. They've acquired their awesome equipment and they're well-funded and ready. And like, okay, guys, you ready to go out on a power cord? You know, let's go out on a great moment here. We're going to do, you know, funk number 49. Uh, <laughs> you know, th this is going to be awesome. Okay, yeah, and, you know, that leads to the last point is resolution. All right, whether it's a meta plot or it's a minor plot, always wrap it up. You know, if it comes down to it at the Keep of the Borderlands, you finally destroy the evil temple and bring its adherents and clerics low. And you emerge as heroes. Hopefully most of your number are intact. And you've got a good number of items that you've purloined and kept from the various minions inside the caves. You're now well equipped to go to the next part. But during this time, it's time to give the players some type of reward. Now, rewards can come in, obviously, magic items and money. You of course, the two great player character modifiers, experience points and magic items, was oh, reward yeah. enough for everybody else. Hey, I'm no longer a third level fighter. I'm a fourth level fighter. And there's things to do and new responsibilities to go. I got my qualified warrior instruction license. <laughs> and using these early modules, because everybody's familiar with them, shows that there's a lot of work that, uh, well, there's work to be done, but I mean, there's a lot of material that can be uncovered and utilized properly with a little bit of work by the DM to make it more exciting than just, okay, it was just another episode of Pack and Slash. We killed the monsters, and now we're out. Yeah, it, it does have the capacity to be more than that if you wanted to. And, you know, I, as we're summing up, I got to say, I am in the camp of both situations are awesome. I love stretching my wings as a plot writer. I like being creative. I enjoy that very much. But I also enjoy letting things just be a challenge in the purely, you know, uh, simplistic sense of, you know, this one is just going to be old-fashioned hole in the ground with, like, sneaky traps and terrible critters lurking around every corner, some of which will be hard to spot. Uh, I, I like that old-fashioned, uh, super easy style of play where you really know what you're there for. Right. But that doesn't mean I don't love the thrill of pushing the envelope a little. And running macro and micro plots at the same time was, was really what I consider you know, like that magnum opus moment where I'm like, oh, man, you know, like I am at maximum capacity. I'm exercising as much of my brain as I possibly can managing this campaign that was also a rewarding experience yeah and it leads to the the uh overriding goal of maximum fun fun for you fun for the players hopefully they both intertwine well and if they're not well adjust the clutch and set your expectations in a different path remember that the players are also there to play let them play let them have their parts of the module or scenario that you set up for themselves and let them develop it. Don't be afraid to interject, but also don't overrule and also don't be too straightjacketed. Now, when you have a meta plot, and obviously, you know, if you're using something like Massanir Arthotep or even, you know, one of the adventure paths, like we're going to be covering uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne. Oh, yeah, coming soon. Yeah, um, you're going to want to include those plots. But again, they keep coming at you. And sometimes it's rather than just staying ahead of it. It's keeping the players involved with it rather than having to try to catch up to them or them to catch up to your plot. Help them enjoy the scenario. So 
I think that covers it. Yeah, all right. I think we've hit the big power chords. Yeah. And, uh, of course, as always, if you have any ideas of, of things we missed or questions or comments, and, of course, concerns, because you should have lots of concerns. Oh, tons. Yep. You can let us know. Of course, you can let us know on our on our Facebook page, The Dice Are Screaming. You can uh, get a hold of us there, leave us a message, and, of course, we'll talk about it on the show. As well as, uh, you can get a hold of us on our normal haunts on Twitter. Of course, you know, these days, Twitter being what it is, I don't blame you if you're kind of keeping that one on the down low. But, uh, yeah, you can also (laughs) let us know there. Um, But you can also download that Anchor app and find the subscribe button. And then take a bar of soap that it uses and cover it in clear lacquer and put it back in the shower and then wait while they try to lather themselves up that subscribe button. That's what you can do to that subscribe I was, button. I was going to say, you you uh, go to the subscribe button, you get a bar of soap, you drop it into a sock. Then, you get the sock swinging real good. <laughs> and you wail on that subscribe button like he had it coming. Yep, either one. <laughs> Please do it to that subscribe button because it has it coming. <laughs> so, just hit that subscribe button and you no, can No, he keep... likes it. He likes it. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. No, he doesn't. He requested but... this. Look, he hasn't said banana yet. That was the same word. <laughs> banana. All right. But you can let that subscribe button. You can give it for all it's worth or stand back and mock it as it tries to lather itself Aim up. And for the kidneys. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Mine's more subtle, but his is direct. So, yeah. Take... Like a cow Yeah. Dig it as it comes with that. And, uh, of course, you can get uh, information when we put up a new episode. And, of course, you can uh, also give us your thoughts, and we'll put you on the show. So, All right. All right. So that uh, segue done. We're off. So you have a great weekend. And may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. <laughs>